Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Joshua Beck and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Joshua Beck. Well, thank you so much and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. Now, Dr. Beck is a primary care physician at the WellMed Clinic at Loop 410 and Centerview. He is board certified in family practice. And one of the things we love to do is get a little bit of knowledge about who he is, who I am, before we delve into the medical issues we're going to cover. And before the show began, he shared with me uh, something I never would have guessed, and it's wonderful. What's the one thing you would never expect Dr. Beck to be doing at this moment? And the answer is, he's taking piano lessons. Yeah. I yes, think that's I cool. Yes, I am. Yeah. From a 94-year-old piano teacher. 94. Sharp, sharp as a tack. Very, 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 uh, uh, you know, good teacher, very smart, very intelligent, and uh, does not act at all like she's 94. And, and for you, Joshua, uh, you had to go out and buy a piano. You, you knew nothing about pianos. Yeah, I did. I, I figured that that would be my motiv- motivating key to practice every day and, and to really get me, you know, into the mindset of le- learning how to play a, a piano. So, and, and it's a pretty good role modeling for your kids who someday may take lessons. Hopefully. You know, they still haven't, you know, one of them has shown a little, uh, you know, uh, interest, but the other right. one not so much. But we'll see as they, as they get older. They're still a little. A little young. So you're six months in. Uh huh. And is there a goal here? You want to be able to entertain at parties? Uh, you know, I think the goal is to just take it a week at a time, and 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 you know, really, I just, I just, you know, I'm not going to be a concert pianist, obviously, but you know, I'd like to be able to get as good as I can. You know, so I'll aspire to you know do as well as I can. When I was growing up, yeah. uh, you, you go to a party, and the one kid who could mm-hmm. play the piano is the one who got all the girls. Is that so? Oh, yeah. yeah. So maybe, maybe I should have picked it up, you know, 20 years ago. Huh? 30 years ago. Yeah, 30 years ago. <laughs> well, I want to pick up a topic now that is so much in the news. It uh, is frightening to many people, and that's the uh, coronavirus. And we've got a couple of folks joining us from WellMed in Florida, WellMed at South Stewart Clinic. Dr. Monica Brown is a doctor of osteopathy, earned her degree at the Nova Southeastern University College of Osteopathic Medicine in Fort Lauderdale completed her residency in internal medicine at Wellington Regional Medical Center in Wellington, Florida, and she's board certified in internal medicine. And Mega Patel, a nurse practitioner, is joining us as well, earned her B.A. in nursing in Detroit. Detroit Mercy was the school. And she earned her master's degree in nursing at Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton, Florida. And both of us uh, at this end of the microphone and down in Florida, delighted to have you on, Dr. Brown and uh, uh, nurse Practitioner Patel, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. We Thank really you. appreciate it. Let's start with uh, Dr. Brown. Uh, th- there's a lot of folks, of course, uh, who are so worried about coronavirus, and yet you can count on one hand uh, the number of people who have died from it. Is it right to be frightened? So what we hope to accomplish today in our talk with all of you guys is to make sure we're following what the World Health Organization and the Centers for Disease Control want us to know in terms of spread and prevention. So although it is being deemed a pandemic, meaning it's not just a regional outbreak, but an outbreak that's involving multiple regions, there still needs to be a close and careful eye 
to, you know, each and every case. And as an individual, you need to know your risk. And in that sense, we hope to relieve some, you know, hysteria and some concerns about a rapid outbreak. Well, let me as talk. Of right now, we would say that we can count how many people in the United States and even abroad have passed away, but we do expect that that number could rise. Okay, hang on a second, because I'm, I'm curious. When flu was first detected uh, in the world, and here in the United States, of course, every year we're pushed, understandably, to get flu shots. Thousands of people die from the flu every year. But there was probably mm-hmm. a point where like a handful of people got the flu and then it took off. So similarly to the flu, and there's quite a few differences as well. So the reason why viruses can spread so easily and so quickly throughout a region is because viruses can change their genetic makeup very quickly. So in other words, the same flu virus that affects one region at one point in time, by the time it gets to a different region, it's stronger and faster and more virile, as we would call it. So it becomes more difficult to treat, and typically the symptomatology becomes worse. So the reason why we're taking, you know, diseases like um, the coronavirus and previously the MERS virus and the SARS virus so seriously is because we're trying to kind of halt things in its tracks before it becomes a very difficult to treat virus that also has a high death toll. Yeah, and so right now there have actually been, I think, you know, what, 400-plus deaths in China? from the Where it originated. Where it originated, yeah. So this virus originated in China, and then it kind of spread from there. And in the U.S., I think, uh, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's only been two confirmed uh, deaths in the U.S. due to the coronavirus. And yeah. so, you know, I, you know, I think of this, you know, this virus is similar in, in some degree to the uh, influenza. You know, it's just that we don't have Tamiflu you know, to treat it. And we don't have um, uh, a vaccine. Obviously, they're working on a vaccine. And so, you know, the the danger here is that there is no treatment, right? And so for those patients, you know, people that are immunocompromised because they have underlying cardiac problems or they have diabetes, you know, that's not controlled or they have respiratory issues, uh, you know, then it makes them more susceptible to, you know, uh, you know, dying from the, you know, from the coronavirus if they have a weakened immune system. Well, so. let's talk a little bit about the symptoms. And uh, nurse practitioner uh, Megha Patel, what, what are the symptoms of coronavirus? And I'm suspecting, correct me if I'm wrong, that neither of you have seen anybody with this yet. Well, symptoms are very similar in the sense, like with the common cold symptoms, like fever, cough, and uh, in some cases, difficulty breathing, and it's significantly severe enough. It depends on the person's immunity also at the same time, but we are seeing a lot of uh, common cold lately, and that's related to upper respiratory infection or bronchitis. So it is almost a similar symptoms, but the main one that stands out is the high fever, cough, and shortness of breath. You know, which overlaps with many other viruses, you know, like the mm-hmm. flu and others. So, and, and, so as a standard, would you, before you suspect coronavirus, mm-hmm. treat it as if it's another flu? 
Well, you would treat it as, you know, it depends on how long things have been going on. You know, if it's short-lived and a high fever and symptoms started rapidly, then you would treat it as any other virus. So I think more than just treating the symptoms, you have to know the history. So you have to be able to talk to the patient to find out where they've been. Have they traveled recently? Have they been in contact with anybody who's recently traveled out of the country? And if so, were they in any of these other countries where, you know, cases of uh, coronavirus have been reported? And uh, and so that's it. And 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 then the other th- the other caveat is that there's no we don't have a test available at every clinic, you know, at you know every city in the U.S. There's only certain states, and I don't remember how many that was the last time I I heard on the news. You know, it was seven or you know there were so many states that had. Uh, the test to check for this, you know, for this virus. And so obviously, you know, we have to rely on the history since we don't have a coronavirus test, you know, at my, you know, local WellMed clinic or at Dr. Brown's clinic. Uh, and so we, we really have to rely on the history. And obviously, you know, we suspected that, you know, that, you know, that it could be then, you know, then we would have to, you know, take precautions. Now, let me let folks know who may have just joined us. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM. The Answer, I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. And we're talking to a couple of practitioners at WellMed at South Street in Florida. Dr. Monica Brown, a doctor of osteopathy, and Megha Patel, who is a nurse practitioner. And uh, Dr. Brown... Uh, as you take a look at the concern about coronavirus, have you had any patients ask you all about it? Are, are patients calling the clinic who are worried about this? So the answer to that question is yes. And actually, there have been two reported cases um, on the west coast of Florida. So that's not exactly where we're located. But, you know, people are becoming more and more concerned. Like Dr. Beck said, um, a lot of the symptoms are not any different than the common cold. So this is, of course, making people concerned because many people at this point in time throughout the year, um, you know, in the winter months, have cold-like symptoms. What the recommendation right now by the Centers for Disease Control is that if you have symptoms, cold-like symptoms, to call ahead to your doctor's office as opposed to walking into the emergency room or urgent care or even showing up to your doctor as a walk-in, there are a couple of questions mainly pertaining to travel that we would need to know about you to see if you're better served coming to us or going to the health department. Also, like Dr. Beck says, not every um, clinic has ways to test for it, but the health department can direct you to the local place where you can be tested, even if it requires your test to be sent to a different location to get the result. Now, you can test for flu, standard flu test, right? No, so this is a completely different virus. No, I understand. But, but if we someone... Test for the flu, and that helps us in our decision making when we can rule that out. Right. But once you rule out the flu, again, you know, we would have to take a critical look to see if coronavirus is still in the differential. Yeah. So, you know, there, you know, so that's that would be the rule out. You know, so you rule that out. You know, you rule out other things that you might suspect, other illnesses that you might suspect, and you know, and and this would be like you know. Like, you know, like most viruses, right, you know, compared to, you know, bacterial infections like bacterial pneumonia, which maybe has a slower onset. So, you know, this would be the same flu-like symptoms, you know, with the aches and the high fever and the cough and runny nose and fatigue and headache and such that, uh, you know, that happen rapidly. You know, that plus the history 
um, would help, you know, lead us to either, you know, you know, think that maybe that's a possibility. And, you know, I haven't seen any patients that have recently come from China or Italy or, you know, in, or these other states here in the U.S. where there have been cases that have been reported. Um, but, you know, I think the biggest thing for us would be the history. And then obviously, you know, and Dr. Brown may get into this, but, you know, we, we would have to take, you know, precautions with anybody coming in that's sick to the clinic to, you know, treat everybody as if they had the coronavirus because we don't want to get anybody else sick, you know. How, how contagious, uh, let me go to our experts in Florida, how contagious is the coronavirus? Do we know? The same as the flu. So most viruses that are spread via respiratory droplets, you know, kind of are spread at the same rate and in the same way. So mm -hmm. basically you're at risk if you're around somebody with coronavirus within six feet and that person actively has symptoms. So because this, the virus is spread when you cough, when you sneeze, and then another person touches any open orifice, the eyes, the nose, the mouth, that's typically how it's spread. So you're not at any greater risk than any other virus, but we still want to heighten our preventative measures because of the risk of it getting to some of our immune-compromised patients, those with HIV, with um, people who are on chemotherapy for cancer, young children, pregnant women. So really prevention is key so that we can slow down the, uh, the spread of the virus. Stick with us. We're going to uh, do a little business at our end. Come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron along with Dr. Joshua Beck, our co-host. And we're talking on our WellMed Radio Hotline with Dr. Monica Brown, doctor of osteopathy, and Megha Patel, a nurse practitioner. And they're at WellMed at South Stewart. Caregiving is incredibly difficult and challenging for thousands of people caring for someone they love. It's a job that is demanding and often feels as if it's never-ending. Caregivers feel alone and lonely. That's where Caregiver SOS On Air comes to the rescue. This half-hour weekly program features nationally known gerontologist Carol Zerniel and attorney and veteran broadcaster Ron Aaron. Ooh. That's me. Caregiver SOS on air, Saturday mornings at 7.30, Sunday evenings 5.30. On 9.30 a.m., The Answer. Heighten awareness. Heighten awareness is absolutely right. He's our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. I'm Ron Aaron. This is WellMed Radio on our WellMed Radio hotline in Florida. We're talking with Dr. Monica Brown and nurse practitioner Megha Patel. And Joshua, the question of how contagious if you and i are sitting here together and i happen to have well regular flu or god forbid coronavirus uh, I, i'm within a couple feet of you are you at risk and and why yeah so um you know I, f I find that question interesting because actually it was i think friday there was a news feed you know and i i think this may have been from you know uh, the cdc but you know it show it was it was showing the uh comparative uh contagiousness of different vaccines and how they compare, you know, how they each compare to each other. And, and, and so the example was, you know, for example, you know, if you have one patient uh, who has, uh, you know, uh, the coronavirus, uh, you know, it was equal to the flu. So for one patient that has a coronavirus or the flu and they are near, in this example, you know, they had maybe like 10 people around them, two and a half would get infected. So it was equal to that. And they compared this to Ebola, 
you know, which was one, you know, for every one person, two would get infected. Uh, and, and, and the top of the list, you know, were, you know, were things like measles and, uh, and mumps. Uh, and, and then I think SARS was under that, but, uh, huh. uh but, uh, coronavirus was equal to the flu. So for every one person, about two and a half will be infected if, if they're in the room. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously exposed to, uh, droplets, which would be, you know, saliva, you know, when you're talking to somebody and you're cl- too close, uh, or they sneeze on well, you. People sometimes spit while they talk. They don't yeah, mean, exactly. They don't mean well, that's, to. That's what I mean. So, so it's that, or they sneeze on you, or they cough on you, or you know, they they they, they wipe the you know the snot off their nose, right. and then they shook your hand. Yeah, you know, so anything like that. So that's how it's spread. It's spread by you know bodily fluid. So, Dr. Brown, uh, I happen to be a big baseball fan. This is for me the best part of the baseball season because every team I love could win the World Series since the season hasn't started yet. But ball games are underway in Florida. Are they thinking about uh, restricting attendance at those games? So as of right now, I don't know anything about those types of large-scale events. The focus right now has been travel internationally and even between one region and another within North America. So to answer that question, I'm not sure. But I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see community spread within the United States become more common. Those types of events, conferences, and things that bring people from different states and regions together have the potential to be canceled. Now, community spread means the disease popping up in a community? Correct. So when they identify person-to-person spread within a region, that's what we call community spread. So right now, the reported cases in the United States One person actually came from the epicenter in China. The other person, as of this point in time, they're not able to connect him to any regions. But um, for the most part, they have not found any novel cases in the United States. Uh, Actually, there there was one. It was uh, on the news uh, last week, or or maybe it was this weekend. There was a, a patient in Rhode Island who got the uh, coronavirus from recently traveling to Italy. And so I think... But that's still someone who comes from the region that is considered to be infected. Uh So, yes, that person definitely counts as being, you know, from from, the main center. Yeah, and and so that's different from, you know, cases, for example, here in San Antonio, which which were controlled. They were... Like you know, people from the from the U.S. Embassy in China who were brought over to San Antonio. Well, they came off the cruise ship where they had been yeah, sequestered. But that, but that was all supposedly controlled. So this was a different case. This was just somebody else who who had come you know from Italy and was traveling over there and then felt ill and then you know they were tested. So well, one of the things, Doctor Brown, you said, and, and it is mm. what is amazing about not only viruses but bacteria as well, not only how they survive. Uh, but how they refigure themselves. So once you let that genie out of the bottle, that being the coronavirus now, uh, what are the odds we can stuff it back in? It's very difficult to be ahead of viruses. Switching back to talking about the flu, that's why it's very difficult to get an accurate flu vaccine each year because we're predicting the evolution of the virus. Sometimes we get it spot on and sometimes we're not so good, resulting in an ineffective vaccine. So when we look at the coronavirus, our best epidemiologists and scientists are going to do their best to predict the behavior of of the virus, but it's never going to be 100%. And developing a vaccine 
takes time. We won't have a vaccine in a week or two or three. It takes a year Correct. or so. Yeah, we're probably closer to a more regimented treatment plan than we are an actual vaccine for this. Now, when you say a regimented treatment plan, what does that mean? Well, right now, I'm going to let uh, Nurse Practitioner Patel talk about therapies and treatments for right now. Um, she's going to elaborate on that just a little bit. So the treatment, there is no treatment for this virus at this point, but we can treat the symptoms, which are cold, similar to the very cold, like runny nose, cough, diabetic. They can tend to develop a secondary infection, which can be a bacterial because of all the symptoms. So in that case, we can treat those patients with tobacco for the bacterial infection. And that bacterial infection treatment can be antibiotic in certain cases. So, yes, that way we can treat it, but not directly for this virus at this time. So, Dr. Brown, we know that uh, uh, whether it's to prevent the flu or any other type of disease, hand-washing is critical. What about the, uh, you know, the little sprays that you use that are antibacterial? Are they effective as well? So that's a really good question. So just going back to the virus, it can live on certain surfaces for a few days, and that has to do with the type of virus that it is. So it is all of our household and cleaning, um, most of the household cleaners are effective against this. Um, and as far as your hands, a good um, soap that it has, you know, antimicrobial soap is going to be useful, washing your hands frequently throughout the day. And if you want to use a hand sanitizer in between washing your hands, just make sure the percentage of alcohol is at least 60%, and you can be certain that you're killing the virus. And that'll be on the label? It should be on the label, yes. Now, as a practitioner, and it always amazes me whether it's you or Dr. Beck uh, or or Mm -hmm. Nurse Practitioner Patel, you probably wash your hands 20, 30 times a day. That's true. What do you use so they don't get all rough and yucky? Lotion in between. <laughs> really? Yeah, I got yeah. her hydrate with lotion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, everybody said the same thing. I like that. So, uh-huh. so you hydrate with lotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what Dr. Brown has in her in her clinic, but WellMed provides a lotion, you know, that we use. So that's that, that's nice. And it seems know. to work? It does. I don't have cracked skin. <laughs> yeah, we have our own. <laughs> And now, so, we've got about four minutes left, and before we bail mm-hmm. out of here, I want to be sure, Dr. Brown, that uh, we, we can f- recap for those who may have just joined us uh, from A to Z. Coronavirus, brand new to this country, begins in China, slowly trickles out of China. It's in Italy, and uh, it, it was on a ship with a whole bunch of folks, some of whom end up in San Antonio, Texas, where we are. Uh, and then slowly but surely, it, it appears to be creeping out into the general population and when you listen to epidemiologists none of them are surprised by that what do you think so i'm just going to add a couple more points some take-home points for people because another big question i've been asked many times is should i be wearing a mask so the answer to that question is healthcare providers who are taking care of people with suspected coronavirus or symptoms should be wearing an n95 ffr respirator mask The general population does not have to worry about wearing a mask unless you have symptoms and you are confirmed to have coronavirus. And that would be to really need to be flying off the shelves. That be to protect others. If you are suspected of having it, you wear a mask to keep others safe around you. 
exactly. Correct. And another thing that's important to mm-hmm. know, um, we touched on it a little bit, but it does have a lengthy incubation period, meaning there might be anywhere between 1 and 14 days before you develop symptoms. And, you know, a simple, you know, sharing of a cup or something, two people touch the same object or a sneeze from allergies could then share the virus. So, again, making sure even if you don't have symptoms that everyone in the community is practicing heightened awareness for the spread of the virus. Which is why it's more, you know, dangerous because you have that duration of time where you don't have symptoms. You're contagious. Up to 14 days, you know, where you could potentially be spreading it to other people. And, Dr. Brown, just so that, you know, our guests can understand the difference, so what's the incubation period for the flu? So, uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure it's, what this flu season, what the incubation period is. Yeah, it's one to four we days. We normally spend like five to six days. Well, yeah. The average is one, one, one to four before you show symptoms. So, here we have 14 days where you can be contacting so many people, you know, and they could be contacting other people as opposed to the flu. So Now, a lot of this information will be fine-tuned as more and more people develop the coronavirus. We'll mm-hmm. know more about it. Unfortunately, it's going to take more people to get it for us to learn more about it. That's true. Mm-hmm. Dr. Brown, we've got to say goodbye to you. have got about 20 seconds left. Uh, for those who may be listening to our podcast in Florida, they find you at the WellMed at South Stewart Clinic? Yep, that's correct. Um, we're located on Federal Highway in Stewart, and uh, we're happy to see new patients if anyone's interested. That's cool. Thank you, and... Uh, Nurse Practitioner Patel, we thank you for coming on as well. Take care, you, you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you thank for you. having us. We're delighted to have you on board. I'm Ron Aaron along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. So there it is, what you need to know about coronavirus so far. We'll probably update this in a couple of weeks. We thank you for listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.